first known rules of golf were drawn up in 1744 by the gentleman golfers of Edinburgh in Leith, Scotland. Since then, the game has changed dramatically. Golf courses, equipment, and not least the rules. So where do I go when I want to learn about the rules of the game today? Well, I go to the Golf Rules Questions podcast with Blakey and Roscoe, of course. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Golf Rules Questions podcast. Favourite week of the year for most golfers and non-golfers. You know, match play is the best type, best format of golf. You know, it's one-on-one or two-on-two, two-on-one possibly if it's a three-ball match. But it is the best. It's, you know, you really come down to, you know, if you think about stroke play, when is it the best time to watch stroke play? That's right, the last nine holes on the Sunday. So, you know, it's like basketball. Basketball, you know, I... Can't even think of how long a basketball match goes for, a uh, basketball game goes for, but it really comes down to the last five minutes that could take another 35 minutes to play. So golf is the same, match play is the best, uh, whereas in match play it's right from the start, you're learning about what your opponent can do, can't do, where, they, where, they, where you might be able to worry them into a loss of hole, um, or you for the win. And so you're really, you know, working out what your opponent is or isn't doing or needs to, um, or how, how to get under their skin. Whereas stroke play, you know, you're all friends until, as I said, that sort of back nine-ish. Um, so we saw the Solheim Cup with a little bit of controversy the other day. Uh, but all in all, it was a great competition. And uh, and the Ryder Cup uh, definitely will be as well. Uh, you know, the Americans, I think they have something like 12 of the top 15 players in the world or something like that. So, you know, they the, the Europeans are very much the underdogs. Uh, and I think they they revel in that a little bit. So just before I get started as well, just wanted to let you know, um, I'd love if you subscribe to my YouTube. Obviously, you have subscribed if you're listening to, uh, to the live stream. Uh, but it'd be awesome if you could also join up. Now, the... Uh, the lowest member of joining is a dollar forty nine per month. It's half a top flight. So if you can afford half a top flight a month uh, to to help support the the Golf Rules Questions uh, channel, uh, I would absolutely love that. Uh, the higher the level of support. Uh, the more benefits you can get, including discounts and merchandise. Uh, discounts on merchandise and more support from me when answering rules questions. And speaking of merchandise, uh, I also do have a merchandise shop. Now, I didn't do the GRQ OTW 46 live on air because of those disastrous technological um, malfunctions that I had uh, last week. So the GRQ OTW 46 was between player holes nine and ten, Ross took Big P's putter and hit three putts on the practice putting green while waiting for the fairway on the tenth to clear so they could tee off. Does Ross incur any penalties for this action? This is a fantastic question. Like, by the way, I found this, came across it, loved it. I was like, oh, that has to be a podcast uh, question. It does sound quite strange. Ross has 
that you know Ross has borrowed a putter and made a stroke with it, or that's a good point. Has he made a stroke with it? He's practiced with it. He's he's hit a ball with it. Let's say, uh, which and he, and he practiced on a green that wasn't even one of the greens that they had uh, just played on. Uh, but the answer may surprise you uh, because Ross incurs no penalties in match play or stroke play. Although, uh, I had a great comment on YouTube today where someone said that there might not be any golf penalties, but Big P might have to uh, might want to penalise Ross uh, in other ways. Uh, so why are there no penalties? Firstly, when using someone else's putter, it's only a breach if you make a stroke with it. So in terms of sharing clubs uh, where the collective or the combined number of clubs is more than uh, 14 if, if you're partners, uh, but individual stroke play, you have to, you're not allowed to borrow anyone else's club. So in this case, uh, Ross hasn't borrowed the club effectively for a stroke. Okay, so there was no stroke made by Ross, so there's no breach there. Uh, it was between play of two holes. Secondly, you are permitted to practice putt or chip on or near the last green played uh, or the next teeing area and or any practice green on the course. This practice must also be between the play of two holes. Uh, so if you had read interpretation 4.1b, two slash two uh, you would have nailed this answer uh, now speaking of practicing you will see this week's tournament is the Ryder Cup which is an amazing spectacle of team golf and one-on-one -on -one competition and match play practicing on the green after a hole has finished is permitted unlike in most stroke play tournaments around the world this restriction in stroke play isn't the rule, but a term of the competition in the effort to speed up pace of play. So if you see um, you know, a normal tournament, like the one that Max Homer won last week, the Fortnite or Fortinet or whatever it was, uh, if he misses a putt or whoever misses a putt, taps it in, they're not able to then practice break the ball back or, or drop the ball back on the green and have a practice three foot, four foot, six foot, ten foot putt. Not because the rules tell them that they're not allowed to. Uh, the rules are actually okay with this, for, uh, rule 5.5, but the term of the competition, uh, or you can think of it as a local rule, states that you're not permitted to, in these mainly in these tour events, you're not permitted to practice on the putting green just finished after you've finished uh, yeah. the putting green just finished uh, of that hole that you've, yeah, you've just played. I've just tongue twisted, tongue tied myself up. Uh, but in match, uh, in match play for the Ryder Cup, there certainly will not be that term of the competition. So you or you'll see the players raking a ball back and having another practice part. Um, they won't be able to um, hit, say, a bunker shot, which I actually posted a video a couple of days of uh, ago of uh, a player 
in the uh, international side, it was a Ryder Cup, uh, it was a President's Cup match, sorry. Uh, Anaban Lahiri, uh, he actually practiced out of a bunker after losing the hole, uh, which meant that he actually lost the next hole, or by him losing, the team could still compete, but he couldn't compete. So um, there's no practicing of bunker shots or pitch shots, um, but you are permitted to chip or putt. Uh, as I said, uh, around the green, on or around the green just played, uh, on or near the next tang area before you start the play of the hole, or if there was a practice putting green nearby and you're not going to delay play, then you are permitted to practice putt or chip uh, on or near that practice putting green. Uh now, speaking of the Ryder Cup, so this is this is basically the Ryder Cup podcast, uh, this one. So firstly, ch- let's chat about the format and then we'll go through some of the more interesting scenarios over the years. So firstly, the teams. How are the teams selected? So the US players uh, had the opportunity to earn points um, from the last Ryder Cup, effectively, 2019, because... This Ryder Club Cup was supposed to be two thousand uh, played in two thousand twenty, uh, but it got delayed because of COVID. So uh, the point system stopped immediately after the second FedEx Cup playoff event, the BMW Championship, on August the 29th. And the point system, whoever was the top six Americans, uh, they secured their spots uh, automatic straight in. Uh, whereas the remaining six were selected by Captain Stricker, Steve Stricker. Uh, for the Europeans, it was slightly different. Uh, the first four players from the European points list, followed by the leading five players from the world points list. Uh, they've created this world points list, obviously, because a lot of the European players uh, play on the PGA Tour, so they have less ability um, or opportunity to get points on the European points list and then Padre Harrington uh, had three captains picks so you'll learn more about the players I haven't actually got a list of the the players uh, list of players I was just going through mainly the the teams how they got selected and the format uh, the main differences between the two formats are in many cases obviously to see. Um, in match play, for example, so this is the difference between match play and stroke play, each hole is effectively a separate con- competition rather than an accumulating score. Played on a hole-by-hole basis, the stroke for 18 or indeed 72 holes doesn't matter in match play as, as it is more... Uh, player versus player, side versus side, rather than player versus the courts. So uh, I do speak about that a little bit lower down as well. Uh, The penalties in each format are also different. In stroke play, the general penalty, which applies for a breach of many of the rules, is two strokes, whereas in match play, it is loss of hole. Although in the main, breaches of the rules that incur a one-stroke penalty in stroke play still remain a one-stroke penalty in match play. Now, there, I think I talked about this in the match play podcast last year. Uh, some of the 
I think I can think of three main differences um, off the top of my head where it's a two-stroke penalty in stroke play but no penalty in match play. That's uh, teeing off from outside the teeing area. Uh, hitting your ball on the green or making a stroke at your ball on the green and it hits another ball in play on the green. There's two strokes in stroke play, uh, no penalty in match play. Uh, order of play, well, there's no penalty there, but um, the opponents can ask you to re-cancel and replay. And uh, I was thinking of just one other one. Oh, um, that's what I did mention uh, previously, is one of the only two-shot penalties in match play is actually under Rule 19.3, and that is if you were to take penalty relief out of a bunker. Uh, so that would be two strokes in both match play and stroke play. That's right. So, moving on. I've actually got a fair bit of, bit of stuff to cover. So, um, yeah, good luck listening to all of this. Hope you're enjoying it. Make sure to, uh, if I'm going too fast, make sure to tell me to slow down. Uh, another feature of match play is the concession of strokes, holes, or even matches. In stroke play, a player is required to finish out at every hole, whereas in match play, um, the, the next stroke could be conceded, the hole could be conceded, or the entire match could be conceded. Uh, and so you, you could win without even making another stroke. Uh, if a concession is given, made, uh, it can't be declined and it can't be withdrawn. So if a player was to concede a short putt to the opponent and the opponent then misses, it doesn't matter as they will still have, uh, still considered to have hold out with that conceded stroke. So, uh, you know, I've got a three footer. Stuart says to me, oh, yeah, that's good. Take it away. I sort of have a little bit of a go at it. Miss the hole. Stuart can't say, oh, you missed. Oh, well, you know, it counts. It's two shots. Um, you know, he conceded it. That, that's it. Don't worry about it. It's done. Now, the morning of day one, the morning of day one is a four ball, and that is where two players from one team each play an individual ball to try and score their best on the hole. The opposing team does the same, and then out of the lowest scores from each team, it is determined what the result of the hole is. So, example, Rory has a four, Sergio has a five, so they're playing for Team Europe, but Brooks has a four, and Bryson has a wipe. This would result in a half. Rory had a four, Brooks had a four, same score, that's a half. Uh, Interestingly enough, a variation of this in club golf land is second ball counts, where if the best score of each team is equal, then the result is dependent on how the scores of the second ball of each team is, and it can result in a lot less halved holes. And the dreaded or revered double whammy, which I absolutely love, where the same putt if hold results in a win for the team, 
but if missed, results in a loss due to that team's second ball counting not being able to beat the opposition's second ball. Uh, it's a great format. So just quickly, but email me if you want to find out more information about this type of format. Uh, but just quickly, uh, it's better. It's easier for an example. So we'll say Jerry, Stuart, and Justin and I are playing. It's uh, it's uh, Stuart and Jerry and Justin and I are playing in a four ball. Second ball counts. Uh, Stuart has a five. Jerry has a five. Uh, I have a wipe. So it's all up to Justin who has a putt for a four. Now, if he if he makes it, he has a four and our team win. But if he misses, he has a five. And so his five and Stuart's five cancel out. And then Jerry's five and my wipe means Jerry would win. So that's why we call it a double whammy. It's it's awesome. I, I love when that kind of thing happens in uh, you know, just your, your club golf land um, haggle or, uh, you know, two-on-two two type thing. <laughs> love that, Justin. Uh, uh, you maybe you putt better when you're when you're drunk. So in the afternoon of the first day, uh, this is back to the we're getting back to the Ryder Cup, the real, the real competition. Uh, foursomes is played, so that's where each ta- team plays one ball in alternating fashion, which with each member of the team either playing from the odd tees or the even tees. That is an important point because you could hole a 10-footer or miss a 3-footer and still be teeing off on the next hole, seemingly um, having two strokes in a row. Uh, you know, you miss your 3-footer and then it's conceded. Seemingly having two strokes in a row. But this is an important principle of match play uh, as each hole is in match play is essentially its own little match. So we talked about it uh, before, and I said I, I wanted to reiterate down the bottom. So each hole in match play is essentially its own little match. So it's potentially 18 holes of 18 matches, where a double bogey could win one hole. Uh, you know, you could have a six on one hole and win, and then you could have a birdie, you know, a two on a par three on the next hole, and you could lose to a hole in one. So. The total score does not matter from the 18 holes. Uh, it is the individual uh, scores. And, and I, you know, I love this format because of that. You know, instead of getting down on yourself when you have a double or a triple, you know it's just one loss and then you reel off four pars in a row and you you win four holes or, or something like that. So it's a, uh, yeah, I if I could, I would play match play all the time. In foursomes, it is essentially one ball versus another ball, but alternating shots by the team members in order to get the ball in the hole. Right, so the second day, Saturday, is a replica of the first day, but the captains have the opportunity to pick different four-ball teams and foursomes teams. Uh, Now, their, their questions will be, do you give the rookies a rest or let their youth prevail? Uh, do you bench the losers or hopefully get their confidence turned around with a clinching victory? Uh, yes, it's all very, you know, this is the strategic nature of match play in the Ryder Cup or, you know, the Solheim Cup or the President's Cup. They're, they're fantastic um, 
formats. You know, even the uh, the Dell match play uh, in Austin, Texas. Although it's not team event, um, the the whole match play format is is fantastic. It's brilliant. So each match is worth one point, and there are combined sixteen points up for grabs on day one and two. Uh, then on day three, we have the singles event with all 12 players playing. Although you might hear of the envelope cause, uh, clause, envelope clause, which is each captain putting the name of a player in an envelope who they would choose to pull out uh, of the 12 players only if a member of the opposing team fell ill. This clause has been talked about a little more this year due to COVID. So what that is, that clause, is where, uh, say, Steve Stricker puts um, Jordan Spieth in the uh, Jordan Spieth's name in the envelope. Uh, Padre puts Rory McIlroy's name in the envelope. No one knows about this, uh, but it's given to the other. Uh, side and that is the, the the player that would they would pull out if a player on the opposing team had to pull out due to sickness or illness no one want obviously you don't want to know because you know or you don't want to tell that it doesn't want to be public information because um, it's kind of like oh yeah this is the person that I would bench um, out of the 12 people this is the person I think is the weakest basically Right, so the last day is exciting with 12 points up for grabs and can come down to the last few matches and final shots. So now let's go through some of the more controversial rulings that have happened at the Ryder Cup. So starting in 1929, uh, the USGA, which is about the third or fourth competition, the USGA had approved the use of steel shafts in competition, but the RNA had yet to do so. So when the Americans showed up on English soil, steeled, that is, they had steel shafts, uh, for their battle, their opponents made it clear that steel shafted clubs were a no-no, and the Americans went back to their old equipment, and Great Britain went on to victory. You can imagine, you turned up with your, your steel shafted club, which you've been using for a month or six months or a year and then all of a sudden you've got to go back to a hickory shaft um yeah i'm sure that's <laughs> that wasn't too hard or easy to take right then we uh we ping forward about 60 years in 1989 paul azinger refused to let sevi balesteros replace i probably eyed that one uh sevi balesteros uh, replace a scuffed ball whether the ball was cut or cracked or only scuffed we will never know but it was the hostility between the two that neither man would give an inch to the other in one of the fiercest rivalries in golf so if it was cut or cracked obviously Sevi would be able to replace it um, but just a scuffed or uh, you know scuff or uh, discoloring Oh, you know, a uh, with a the the make model has you know slightly been altered, um, wouldn't be enough or a permitted permissible reason for the ball to be changed. 
Uh, obviously, you can change it between player two holes. And then it was funny because in 1991, they were to face off again, and this time Ballesteros accused Azinger of changing balls on different holes depending on how they wanted to play. So soft compression balls on holes where the pin was situated at the front and hard compression balls where the pin with location was at the back and, and on the longer holes to get the ball to fly further. Uh, it, you know, it was, it was got pretty heated and, uh, you know, you can hear there's video out there. You can hear Seve going, Oh no, no, I, I don't, I don't want to cause a, cause a, uh, any angst, but you know, you just can't do that. It is, you know, it's brilliant. It, you know, go and watch the video. Don't listen to me. So Justin's got a question. What if your markings had been rubbed off? Markings rubbed off is not, uh, trying to think of that word uh is not permitted for you uh, a permissible reason reason enough that's what i'm trying to say markings being rubbed off is not reason enough for you to be able to change your ball but again you can change it between the play of two holes now during the 2010 Ryder cup at celtic manor in wales Ricky Fowler and his partner Jim Furyk suffered a loss of penalty hole, loss of hole penalty, sorry, on the fourth hole of their foursomes match when Fowler incorrectly substituted a ball with Furyk's drive from the fourth tee finding a very muddy area which was ruled to be an abnormal ground condition. Free relief was available for the side under rule 25-1B. So now it's called an abnormal course condition and free relief would be available under 16.1. However, rather than retrieving the ball from the mud and cleaning it, Fowler, whose turn it was to play the next stroke, instead took a different ball from his pocket and dropped it within the one club length from the nearest point of relief. Unfortunately for Ricky, Rule 25-1B stated that the player is required to lift the ball and drop it, as in keep that same ball unless the ball was not immediately recoverable, which it, uh, in this case it was immediately recoverable. Uh, the original ball, uh, by dropping and playing a different ball than the one Furyk had played from the tee, Fowler had substituted a ball when he was not allowed to do so, which in match play resulted in loss of hole penalty. The mistake put the Americans two down through four holes. However, Fowler managed to salvage a half point in the match against the European Juro of Lee Westwood and Martin Keimer by sinking a tricky five-foot putt on the final green. Now, under Rule 16.1, this would now be permitted. Okay? So under Rule 16.1, this would be permitted. You are able to change your ball when taking relief. Whether that's free relief or penalty relief, you are permitted to change your ball. And... Recently, at the 2016 Ryder Cup, this is uh, our last last rules controversy or ruling situation for the Ryder Cup. The 2016 Ryder Cup, Jordan Spieth's ball was in the penalty area but was seemingly in a playable position, although, although Jordan had to hole it just to try and win the par 5-15th that would have possibly got him back to one down with two to go. 
He stepped into the water and the ball moved immediately from the ripples that Jordan's actions caused, which was a breach of the current Rule 9.4. 18.2 back then. Uh, 18-2, sorry. Uh, Rule 9.4 is all you need to remember. Jordan tried to argue his case, but the official was adamant that Jordan would be penalised a stroke. So, yeah, Jordan was penalised, and instead of attempting the shot, which probably was for a half now, um, Jordan conceded the, the hole, and that meant he lost three and two. So, although we wish for a clean and excellent match of character and golf school uh, skills in the cauldron that is the Ryder Cup, I say that with a wry smile because some of us do enjoy the theatre of, of a few rules issues thrown in there, aka Solheim Cup two weeks ago. Now, moving on to the GRQ OTW 47, and I think it's worthy of a match play question. I'll have to say this very slowly because this is a big question. Stuart and Ray are playing Big P and Jerry in a handicapped four-ball match at Wombat Hills Golf Club, Golf Course. On the second hole of the day, Ray steps on his ball in the middle of the fairway when he was talking excitedly to Stuart about how he was getting 15 strokes for the match. Ray replaced his ball where he thought he had moved it from whilst Stuart and Big P were watching. Although Ray thought he was exempt from penalty under Rule 7.4, Stuart knew this was a breach of Rule 9.4 but said nothing. Big P assumed there was no penalty either. Ray then played an amazing stroke which resulted in a conceded putt and what Big P and Jerry thought was a birdie, which they could not beat. So Ray and Stuart won the hole. On the next teeing area, Stuart played from outside the teeing area, which Jerry pointed out and asked Stuart to cancel the stroke and replay. Big P then joked to Jerry about the side making a blunder on the last hole when Ray stood on his ball in the middle of the fairway. And Jerry's now thinking, hang on, I didn't know about this. So the information of Ray standing on his ball has just come to light for Jerry. Uh, had he, did he have any available action to take uh, for Ray's blunder on the second hole. Right, so just real quick summary there. It's a four ball between Stuart, Ray, Stuart and Ray and Big P and Jerry. Second hole, Ray stood on his ball, caused it to move, then replaced it and thought that it was no penalty. Stuart, his partner, knew that it was a penalty but didn't say anything. Big P assumed that it was no penalty. Stewart's then, uh, Ray and Stuart have won the hole with a birdie, a birdie by Ray. Stuart's then hit off the next tee or outside the teeing area and Jerry has cancelled and recalled 
Stuart's stroke. Big P has then told Jerry about Ray's blunder on the second hole. Does Jerry or can Jerry take any action for said blunder? <laughs> Jerry's just commented, we won the match anyway. The match is still going, Jerry. It's This is going to the high court. So thank you to everyone uh, who has joined in and listened intently for all that time. That was our longest so far, especially after the stuff up at the start when you couldn't actually hear me. As I said, make sure to join my YouTube channel for a measly $1.49 per month. Uh, Justin already has. And go and buy a polo or a hoodie or a bag or a t-shirt from my merchandise shop. It really helps me out. Uh, so I'll sign off there and just remember, thank you everyone who's contributed and just remember, without rules, there is chaos. Thank you.